Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this evening together. Father, we thank you for this journey that has been the last 36 or some odd uh, Wednesdays. Lord, I thank you for uh, those that are here. Lord, some for the first time maybe. Um, others, Lord, that have been here from the very beginning and, and all other positions represented. Father, the most important thing is what you have to say to us now. Lord, what you have to reveal to us tonight and then what you'll have to reveal to us tomorrow because we don't live by bread alone but by every word that comes out of your mouth. So thank you, Father, for this final class. Thank you for the things that um, you have prepared for us. I pray that you'd help us get the most important things in that you would want us to get in, Father. And um, we'll thank you, Lord, for uh, just uh, all that you're doing in our lives moving forward. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. and amen. Praise God. All right, so for those of you who are new to the class, this is actually number 36 out of 36, and it always amazes me at how quickly uh, the 36 classes go by, and um, in a lot of ways, it's, it's become one of those things that, uh, you know, it's the milestone in my own individual life, you know, it's like every year, uh, this is the final class in class number 13, so we've done this for 13 years now, and um, again, where does the... Where does the time go? Um, we are celebrating this year, uh, 1998 was when Heritage was born, so we're celebrating our 20th anniversary this year, and um, it, it's kind of this odd thing, the Lord kind of snuck up on me in prayer this afternoon and, and just began to deal with my heart about the next 20 years, and um, so uh, I'm, I'm excited about that, just some things he was kind of dropping in my spirit. I, I, um, Andrew uh, Womack has been teaching on Believer's Voice of Victory Network, that's where I pick him up, I know he's on other networks as well, about a time in his life when he really felt like he was limiting God, and um, Lord began to deal with him, and, and just some of the fruitfulness that's come from that, and so Lord was speaking to my heart about that as well, so anyway, I'm excited um, about tonight, and about um, where we've come from, and where we're headed, and um, so with all that said, let's turn tonight to Colossians chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1, um, I don't want to tell you this to discourage you or disappoint you. We never finish. Um, and I think part of that is because Father's, you know, father's never finished. Um, he always has something more to teach us, always something more for us to learn. Um, his wisdom is unsearchable. His truth is eternal. And um, so if we never stopped and just kept going and never went back to the beginning, we would never exhaust the wisdom that He has for us in His Word. The Lord first taught me this when Heritage began. He led us. I started on Wednesday night, my plan was to teach on prayer because prayer is such an essential part of the growth of any church. And, and um, so I had a message prepared, but the Lord led me to, to John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, Jesus' first miracle. And uh, I said, man, that's some good stuff. I'm going to preach that tonight. We'll do prayer next week, you know. And I already announced that we're going to do prayer, so I told the folks, I said, look, I know I said we we're going to talk about prayer tonight, but I really feel like this is a word from the Lord. And so we preached from John chapter 2, verse 1 through 11. And then, um, <clears throat> so, you know, next week we'll start on prayer. So, I didn't finish that night. The next week I was going to do the prayer thing again. The Lord took me back to John chapter 2. He was trying to teach me something in that. And um, so basically, I don't want to exaggerate this, but it was three, a little over three years later, I think 156 sermons out of John chapter 2, verse 1 through 11. Um, he was just showing me that His Word is inexhaustible. And, and so um, when I say we didn't get to all of it, it we never do. Uh, but what I have done tonight is just in prayer before the Lord and gone through uh, probably the next 50 pages of notes just to really get the highlight of what uh, maybe 30 pages of notes the Father would have for us to focus on. So Colossians chapter 1 and verse 19, it reads this, For it pleased the Father 
that in Him, in Jesus, all the fullness should dwell, and by Him to reconcile all things to Himself by Him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of His cross. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your minds by wicked works, yet now He has reconciled in the body of His flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in His sight. Now, over the last uh, week or so, I guess last week, we began to look at four key words that really helped us you know, embrace and lay hold of and understand and connect with um, our salvation. And those words are the words propitiation, um, redemption, justification, and then the final one is reconciliation. Okay? So again, propitiation, this is where Jesus took the wrath that we deserved. Redemption is where He paid our debt that we owed that we could never repay. And then justification means that He declared us innocent or, or right, righteous. Justification justified just as if I'd never sinned, meaning He made us His righteousness. And now this word reconciliation. And for those of you who were here in the beginning, you know that we began with this word. Because we said that reconciliation is not just a salvation word, but reconciliation is a word that also bridges the gap between the new birth and discipleship. So we've all been given what the Bible calls in 2 Corinthians 5 the ministry of reconciliation. Every born-again person has been so thoroughly reconciled to God that God has committed to you, He has given to you, He has called you into His ministry of reconciliation. One of my favorite quotes from Dr. Neil Anderson is that God has a one-item agenda that can be expressed in one word, and that word is reconciliation, all right? So I like to say it this way, Daddy wants his kids back, amen. He created us, he loved us, he knew us before we were ever formed in our mother's wombs. He created us to have close, intimate, personal fellowship with him. Sin separated us from him, and he loved us so much that he was willing to turn his wrath upon himself. He was willing to pay our debt for us. He was willing to give us the same right standing with Jesus before him, also that we could be, once again, reconciled or restored back into a close relationship, close fellowship with Him. So if a husband and wife have issues, and let's say they separate, okay, and then, or maybe even divorce, and we've seen this at Heritage more than once over the years, where folks divorce and then they reconcile, and they even get remarried. Meaning what? Meaning they have been restored back into a close relationship with. So when we talk in terms of reconciliation with God, Reconciliation is not the establishing of a close relationship, it's the restoring of one that has previously existed. Now, you have to go deep into the Scriptures to find what that means, but what it basically means is this, God had a relationship with you before you were ever born. And so He's talking about you and I being restored back into um, the relationship that He always intended for us and created for us to have uh, with Him, created us to have with Him, right? So... This is the idea of reconciliation. I'll make a few comments on it. Obviously, we've talked about it throughout, okay? And, um, and if we get to renewing the mind, we'll come back around to a different way of looking at reconciliation. But when we talk about these four words, propitiation, Jesus taking your punishment, uh, taking the bullet for you, then we said redemption, where He paid the debt for you, then justification, now reconciliation. As we progress through these, and this is really, 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 really important, okay? As we progress through these, I want you to understand that in order for these things to be in, uh, you know, fulfilled in your life, 
it's going to require an increasing amount of cooperation with you. Okay? So sometimes I ask the question to people, what did you do to be born? And the answer to that question is you didn't do anything to be born. Okay? Um, it, it was what God and others did in order for you uh, to be born and to have life here on planet Earth. And so when, for instance, um, Jesus became the propitiation for the sins of the entire world, um, you and I, you know, our great-great-great-great-grandparents weren't even thought of yet, okay? But he did that for you, and the Bible said he did it while you were still a sinner, okay? So in other words, he did it without any guarantee that you would ever sit in a class to hear it taught about, much less be one of the ones who called upon him to receive the gift that he so lavishly and, and, and generously provided for us, all right? So in other words, zero cooperation on your part in order for Jesus to choose to be propitiation for you, and for that matter, for Him to pay His debt for you. In order for you to be justified now, you've got to hear the message and call upon Him to receive what He's already put in place for you. Okay? But again, justification in, in being justified before God, in the eyes of God, is, um, has nothing to do with your own works, but what Jesus has done for you. Not what you do for God, but what God has done for you in the person of Jesus Christ. Amen? Are you still with me? But now we come to reconciliation. Because we have been justified, meaning we have right standing before God, we're now in position to be in close fellowship with Him. But this is where, if you're going to continue on in this deeper, more personal, or intimate relationship with God, it's going to require cooperation on your part. Let me say it another way. He's done everything on His side of the relationship to have peace with you and to live in close union and fellowship with you. All right? But you can still resist him and keep him at an arm's distance. Now, we've been teaching a lot on this this year at Heritage on Sundays. And I'm not going to go into a, a long, I mean, we could, obviously because we've taught on it for months already. Um, but let me just say it this way, uh, praise God, if I could. When, when we were put back in right relationship, right standing with God, we're now in a position for him to share everything that he is and everything that he has with you. Right? And he's done that. He's held nothing back. He's held nothing back. He's given you his name. He's given you his word. He's given you his, his seat. He's given you his kingdom. He's put his kingdom within you. He's given you himself. He's given you his Holy Spirit. He's given you his blood. I mean, we, again, we just go on and on, right? So if, let's just take a personal, uh, you know, when I say personal, uh, a human relationship. Um, the people that you are the closest to are the people that you have found on this earth who are willing to share their self, their life with you, and you have felt comfortable in return sharing yourself, your life back with them. And, and that's, what commun that's called communion, and communion is what creates community and fellowship. Okay? So the, the idea, of course, is that um, we, you know, Father has given everything and shared everything with us. Now He is waiting for you and me to respond by opening up and sharing ourselves, our lives, our best, our time, our efforts, our energy, our deepest thoughts, so forth and so on, back with Him. And the more we're willing to do that, the closer we will walk in fellowship with Him. Right? So, like, if we step back into righteousness, it's one thing to be made righteous, it's another thing to walk that righteousness out. Right? If you're not doing a really good job walking it out, that doesn't mean that's not who you are. It just means that we need some more renewing of the mind. It's one thing to be right and do right. There is a correlation, but as we learned last week, it's not that being right is dependent upon doing right, but being right is, is what enables us to do right. Okay? Um, and so we've been made right, but if we're ever going to walk that righteousness out, it's going to require some holiness, which is something we do. Righteousness is something we be. Holiness is something we do. 
Holiness is all the jokes you don't tell anymore. Holiness is all the stuff you don't drink anymore. All the stuff you don't put in your body anymore. All the things you don't look at anymore. All the people that you don't lay down with in a bed anymore, right? Uh, that you're not married to. Um, because, again, that it's, it's you separating yourself from the things of this world. Godliness, again, notice these are things the state of doing. These are all the things that you do now because you've been made righteous. Holiness, all the things you don't do anymore because you've been made righteous. Godliness, all the things that you do now because you've been made righteous. Coming to a class, attending church, uh, serving the body of Christ, studying the Word, spending time in prayer, pursuing God's highest and best for your life, so forth and so on. All of that is, is godliness. So it's not that your righteousness is dependent upon these things. This is a gift. But in order to enjoy and experience the fruits and benefits of having been made right before God in the eyes of God, it's going to require some effort on your part in these other two areas. Are you following what I'm saying? So if you can understand that, then just carry it one level over into reconciliation. Father wants to be like your friend, your best friend. There's a friend that sticks closer than a brother, right? You ever heard the expression, blood's thicker than water? Blood's thicker than water? People think that means like kinfolk. That's not what that means. That's not what that means. Those who are of the same water, me and my brother are of same water. We were born from the same womb. In other words, the, the water in the womb. Okay? Blood is speaking of those who are covenant brothers, those who have been made one by covenant. And so blood's thicker than water. So the idea is that we've... So when the Bible says there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother, he's talking about a covenant, a covenant brother. Amen. And Jesus is our covenant brother. And so He wants to be close with you like that. He wants to share His life with you and you share yours with Him. Abide in Him and let Him abide in you. Amen. And so this is what He's talking about. Jesus taught us so much about this. And that's the fellowship that reconciliation affords, that, that, that it makes way for. But again, if we refuse to you know, go after that, pursue that, invest ourselves into that, um, we will have you know, little to no fellowship with Him. But if we choose to give ourselves to it entirely, um, then you will be fascinated at what God is able to do in your life. Okay? Now, let me... Um, wow, thank you, Jesus. So, the Bible says that we've been called into the same fellowship with God the Father as Jesus Himself. And what that simply means is that you have the opportunity to have the same relationship with God the Father that Jesus has. Um, my, I use this expression or this example, maybe I should say many times, but my children have some wonderful friends, and those friends fellowship with me um, because I'm John Mark and Bethany's dad. And, um, and so I've even had some of them that go on vacation with us or go out to eat with us, celebrate my birthday or what have you. Um, but they don't have the same fellowship with me. In other words, John Mark's friends don't have the same fellowship with me as John Mark because I don't pay for their college. Are you following what I'm saying? Um, there's, in other words, there's things that I do for John Mark because of my fellowship with him that I don't do for other people who also have fellowship with me but not the same fellowship as my son. But we have the same fellowship with God the Father as Jesus. You know why? Because we have the same standing with God the Father as Jesus. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This is what Jesus... When we, when we were made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, meaning given as a gift the same right standing before God the Father as Jesus Himself as one who's never sinned. I'm going fast, but man, let's go fast tonight. Let's get some stuff covered, right? This means we have the same standing with God the Father as Jesus. Why would He do such a thing? He did such a thing because He wants to have the same fellowship with you as Jesus, and, and without the same standing, you could never have the same fellowship. Right? So this is the gift that Father gave to us, and if you, need, you know, if you need it to make sense, then understand, why did He do it? Why did He give it to you? Why did He make you so right before Him? It's because of the fellowship. It's the fellowship. 
So you could even say propitiation, redemption, justification, all are in place because of the one item agenda, reconciliation. Father wants to have that kind of close, personal, intimate relationship with you. Now let's break down um, verse 22 in Colossians uh, 1. And it says that Jesus has, well, verse 21, and you who once were alienated, that means separated, outsiders, and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now, yet now, yet now, when now, He has reconciled in the body of His flesh through death to present you, to present you, okay? It would be like if somebody was announcing or presenting, or ladies and gentlemen, I offer to you from the kingdom of heaven, Sister Peyton LaCroix, right? He's presenting you. He's making you presentable, right? You follow what I'm saying? Making you presentable. Let's say you got some big engagement. I, I was uh, doing a little shopping with Pam the other day. And man, this guy, he, I mean, he had on his, he had on his uh, blue jeans. Now, now this, was, this was a white brother, but still, he was a big guy. And he's kind of busting a little sag in the back. And uh, he had a big chewed tobacco in his mouth, and he had not just on his work boots, but he had his work boots tucked in his, in his he had his blue jeans tucked in his work boots, right? And, and he had on a shirt, and the collar was kind of stretched out on it, and uh, had, him, had him on a trucker cap, and, uh, and this really nice man in the men's department at Belk was helping him find a suit. And he was a little tobacco juice running outside his mouth, and he said, I got a brand new pair of blue uh, overalls, they said that I couldn't wear them overalls, you know. So I guess he's going to a wedding or something, Ellie. I don't know. I was, I was kind of sitting back enjoying the show, right? But notice what's happening. What's happening? This, this, this professional man, this, this men's stylist you know, at, at Belk, who's probably fitted a thousand or more men over the years in suits, he's going to help make this man presentable for a family member's wedding, more than likely. I just wasn't trying not to stare, you know. It's kind of, but anyway, amen. I'm a people watcher. I confess. People fascinate me. All right, so he was being made presentable. Amen. So Jesus has made us presentable inside and out so that He might present you holy and blameless and above reproach in His sight. Let me very quickly tell you what this means. Holy means clean, pure, and separated from anything that contaminates and defiles. Jesus took us out of sin, death, and darkness and relocated us in light and life. We're now saints permanently located in the grace that made us holy. And I could give you passage after passage after passage. Amen? But Paul said, the grace of God, by the grace of God, I am what I am, and His grace towards me was not in vain. Now, above being accused, that's um, blameless would be without internal spot or blemish, the complete and absolute removal of anything that would make you unworthy. You are therefore, this word blameless literally means that you are now uncondemnable. It's not just that there is therefore now no condemnation, but the reason the Bible says that there is therefore now, and it'll say now tomorrow, and it'll say now ten years from today, is that because you have been presented before God in an uncondemnable state, meaning that there's no one who can even bring a charge against you according to the Scriptures. All right? Now, wow. How about this? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. You note-takers are going to love me for the night's over, I hope, because I know you're writing fast. Maybe I could just give you some of this later or something. I want you to get it more than get it. You know what I'm saying? I'm, there's, amen. But I'm, I'm, I'm kind of going to 
we, we're on a sprinter's pace tonight. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. Let me just give them to you, okay? Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ who's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Just as He chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. In other words, that was the intent all along. For you to be holy and without blame before God in love. He created you in Christ Jesus before the world began to be in that position. And as I've said to you over and over again throughout these last 36 weeks, if God the Father ever makes His mind up to do something and speaks it out of His mouth, it does not matter how much it costs or how long it takes, He will see it through to the end. And so now we are before Him without blame, holy and without blame before Him in love. Ephesians 1, if we kept reading 5 and 6, having predestined us to adoption, to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, by which He made us accepted in the Beloved. So we are accepted by God. Then He says, above reproach. Above reproach. This is the one that Sister Dot was mentioning. It means without accusation. Unaccused and unaccusable. Reproach is an expression of